This is the beginning of the end for you. You could be doing this yourself and you're going to pay someone else. Mr. Big Shot, he got in his car, hit the gas so hard on gravel that I remember he spit rocks all over my car, sped out of the driveway, squealing the tires. And I remember him leaving sick to my stomach because I'm not argumentative. My dad was, I'm not. And I remember thinking, he's wrong. Welcome to the Dean Graziosi Show. All success starts right here. And I'm making pretty good money. And I realized on Saturdays, I would spend my entire day mowing this lawn. Now, it had a huge lawn. It was on top of a hill in upstate New York. I mean, gorgeous. Picture the Hudson Valley, rolling hills, apple trees all over. I got this big old house converted in nine apartments, really good people living there. Huge front lawn. So Saturdays, I'd weed whack. I get allergies. I don't know about you. So my eyes would be running. My nose is running. It would take me all day. Uh, the weed whacker would like hit my, my ankles and hurt, but no big deal. I'm not complaining. But I realized I'd waste my whole Saturday doing that. And I started making more money by then. I came to the conclusion that I could pay Doug Smith, a kid that still works. I say a kid, he's, he's in his mid forties now. Uh, a kid at the time, he was like 14, would come mow my lawn and do all that for 50 bucks. And what I realized I could get a return on my time and a return on my investment for that 50 bucks. Really simple. I just did simple math. During that five hours, instead of me mowing, I could go fix a car and make $500 or $1,000. I could sell a car. I could go out and search for another apartment building to buy. And I was like, 50 bucks, I could make that $500 or $1,000. So I hired Doug. First day, Doug's doing it. My dad, who was born during the Depression, comes up and he's the type, old school, that if you could do it yourself, don't you dare pay anyone else. And, and the fact of the matter is that crippled him his whole life. I mean, he's one of the smartest people I know, but never made a lot of money ever. Maybe 30, 40, maybe a year he made 50 grand. I don't, I don't think he even did that, but worked his guts out, worked really, really, really hard up every day, working hard weekends. Anyway, my dad pulls in. I'm a little sick to my stomach. I know my dad can get a little hot sometimes. So he comes in. He's like, Oh, Mr. Big Shot. That's what he said. This, Maybe you feel offended, but this is the way my dad was sometimes. And he loves me and I love him. But he's like, Mr. Big Show, you're going to hire someone to mow your lawn. What are you paying him? I said, 50 bucks. He goes, this is the beginning of the end for you. You could be doing this yourself and you're going to pay someone else. Mr. Big Shot got in his car, hit the gas so hard on gravel that I remember he spit rocks all over my car, sped out of the driveway, squealing the tires. And I remember him leaving sick to my stomach because I'm not argumentative. My dad was, I'm not. And I remember thinking... He's wrong. That's why he struggles. Because today I'm going to go fix a car or I'm going to sell a car or I'm going to find another apartment house. I'm going to pay for Doug many times over because what I realized at a young age, I didn't perfect it, but I have over the years is we are all good at things that can make us money. And we all suck at things for lack of a better word. And the worst thing you could do is try to get good at the things you stink at when the real money, the real empowerment, the real growth in your life, the real revenue is created by getting amazing at what you're already good at because you can live in your unique ability. And if you work in your unique ability, you have the opportunity to pay people to do other things eventually and get a return on your time, a return on your investment. In a shifting world, we have to go to where the puck is, right? That was Wayne Gretzky's quote when he was asked, he's the famous hockey player, came from Canada, played here in the United States, and they asked him, "Why? Are, what, what's your number one secret or why are you so good in hockey? He said, a lot of people will skate to where the puck was. A lot of people will skate to where the puck is. He said, I figured out how to skate to where the puck was going.
and the self-education industry, which is really the knowledge industry, sharing what you know, selling what you know, that's where the puck is going. And you know, uh, Tony loves talking about winter, right? When we have shifts in the world, it's winter time. And I love when Tony says, some people in winter freeze and other people ski and snowboard. When the world shifts, we need to have that foundation. We need to have that anchor. I hope this pandemic gets behind us. I hope people are healthy. I hope people are safe. But we don't know if it's going to last six weeks, six months, or six years. So we can't sit on our hands. We can't wait for someone else to come wave a magic wand and fix it because nobody has. I don't care if you're a liberal or a conservative, a Republican or a Democrat, or you're just fed up with it and don't care about any of that. Wherever you are, we know throughout history of time, nobody has come and fixed it for us. Nobody waves the magic wand and we get rich or, or famous or we fulfill and live into our full potential. We gotta do it. And isn't it liberating when you know that it's on us? Isn't it liberating when you know success or failure is on us? Right? Listen, I know so many of you have had tough times. So many of you have been let down, carpet pulled out from underneath us. We can either use that as our anchor or we can use it as our fuel to say this is our time. So I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Um, and I want you to think about this. Um, think about this. And I've shared this before. For those of you who are part of Own Your Future, you may have heard this, but I want to remind you today. When I say knowledge is the new currency, for those of you that really need to understand this, what does that mean? It means that people are realizing that the fastest way to the end result is to pay you for your experience so they can go where they want to go quicker. That's really what it is. So think about it this way. Um, and this was Tanner on my team, gave me this story about six months ago and he's like, you know, it's like, it's like a cell phone. Imagine if you had the opportunity to have an unlimited amount of new iPhone 15s, if there was 15s, in the warehouse that you could sell as many as you wanted over and over again, but you didn't have to pay for them and you didn't have to ship them and you didn't have to keep them warm or cold or put them in trucks or put a stamp on them. That would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Well, that's really what people have discovered why this industry is going towards a billion dollars a day. Is, and I wrote this down, and I love sharing it, because right now your experience, the mess you went through, the skill that you've learned, the hobby that you love, the passion that you have, your experience is your inventory. Your knowledge is your asset. And our brain is our warehouse. And that's why Tony and I have, been, have fallen in love with this. It's why it's become a movement because we're helping people unlock that. Listen, if you're already a coach or considering a coach, you're in the right spot. And this is what people are doing. They're sharing what they know and that's why this industry is exponentially growing. Now, what can get in the way of you doing this? Thinking to yourself, I don't have a following. I'm an introvert. Who would listen to me? I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. I've never done this before. I've dabbled before and it didn't work. I tried and no one bought for me. I don't know where you are. You could be one of our KBB or Project Next family members who are crushing it. I'm glad to have all of you here. But what I'm going to ask you to do right now is don't judge your past based on where we are now in history and what we can teach you to do at this very moment. What if I told you that every single influencer, everybody who sold the course, we've all started with that place. But the world wants to learn from somebody who's been there now more than ever. And I'd hate for you to look back in six months or six years and say, I missed this. You know, I always talk about surfers, right? When you catch a wave, that wave will push you all the way to shore. But if you hesitate, and you miss that wave, you could paddle as hard as you want, the wave goes under you and you miss it. Right now, I want you to get open-minded. Be open-minded today because this industry won't wait for you, but this industry definitely needs you. And we're gonna show you how to do that. In fact, you know, 
I love the story. Again, I've told this before, but I want you to just answer this. If you had a week to prepare and you had the opportunity to spend a couple hours with your 20-year-old self, you had a week to prepare and you had a couple hours, you had the magic wand to go spend two hours with your 20-year-old self and you could only share on one topic, maybe relationships, right? It's time to, don't settle. You deserve more. Like love is so important and so pure and these are the things I learned about love at 40, 50, 60, 70. You had two hours to spend about love or you had two hours to spend about making money or starting your own business or taking care of your health or finding self-love at an earlier age. I don't know what you would share with your 20-year-old self. What would you share? But you had a whole week to prepare. You created a course, videos, blueprint. Uh, you drew it out, built slides, whatever it was. Let me ask you this. What would it be worth to you today if you could go back and spend two hours with your 20-year-old self? That's what the self-education industry is, right? We get millions, priceless, priceless, millions. Listen, there are people today, just like your 20-year-old self, no matter what age they are, they're starting off where you left off. They're starting off trying to figure out something you've already been through. They're going through a mess at this very moment that you've already been through and you're on the other side of the mess and you could give them the bridge, the ladder, the gift of knowledge to help them get out and that's what the self-education industry is and we're so excited. If we didn't shift into the self-education industry. I don't know where our lives would be. When you see Tony Robbins, so dynamic, what he does, oh my God, best in the world. But he started out as a kid going to a Jim Rohn event where he had to borrow the money literally from a bank to go to the event, had no clue, was living out of his car, and had the opportunity to be impacted by self-education. He learned from Jim Rohn. You know, when Tony started his first event, he thought 500 people were going to show up because it was free, and like five showed up. Right, And he didn't have anything to share. When he first started, he shared what he learned from Jim Rohn. Right? We all started someplace. None of us were born to be in this industry. None of us were, I'm going to be a knowledge broker. I'm going to be in the self-education. No, we all started out with imposter syndrome, a little scared, not sure if we could do it. But the one thing we were missing is realizing that our experience is priceless because we can help people go faster. The second thing, when Tony started 40-something years ago, the self-education industry wasn't that cool. When I started over two decades ago, it wasn't that cool. Right now, the world is realizing the fastest way to get there is to learn from everyday, ordinary people who are willing to share what they know. Yes, they want to buy your knowledge. And that's what we're talking about today. In fact, you know, when we talk about this, sometimes I know so many of you have been with me for a while and you've heard this. I want you to hear it again because if you're not a part of this, then you're missing this wave. And if you're new, I want you to think about, you know, if, if it comes to your mind, well, I'm, I'm new or I, I don't, I'm not an expert. I want you to think about this. This is Nancy Lee. Now, maybe you would never think Nancy would work with Tony and I and be in the self-education industry because she was an immigrant from China who when she got here, everybody said, oh, when you start off in America, just get a service job and work your way up. And she wouldn't accept that. She's brilliant. She's smart. She had a good job in China. So she found a way to get a high level job of being a product manager and a project manager here in the States. And I'm so proud of her. But then when she did it, she realized, wait, if I could do that for me, could I do that for other people coming from China? You would think, is that a niche? And right now, this is what she does full time. She's outpacing her job. I'm not saying you're gonna do it and have the success she had. I like to disclaim that, but she's doing insanely well. And what does she do? She teaches Chinese immigrants 
how to get a better job than just the service job. And she's absolutely crushing it. She's in the self-education industry. She went through a little mess. She went through a learning experience. And now she has the outlet, the opportunity to use social media rather than it using you. Be a producer, not a consumer. We're going to learn, talk about that today. And now she gets to impact and help people coming from China while impacting her own life and creating success. Take somebody like Lisa. Lisa had a dance studio and COVID came. And what happened to so many people? Shut down, didn't know what she was going to do. Luckily, she started working with Tony and I and got this process. She's like, okay, I'll just do it virtual. I'll do virtual workshops about dancing. And she did so well, started doing better than she did when her, uh, when her actually brick and mortar business was open. And now she not only teaches dance studio stuff, um, that sounded terrible, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not the type that goes to a dance studio, but she also teaches other businesses how to transfer from in-person to virtual. She's absolutely crushing it. So I just want to give you a little example. And we have people that are coaches and they're going on to another level. People that are in this space using this unfair advantage and realizing that this is the time and knowledge truly is the currency of the future and the present. Or maybe life's okay. You're not here because you're desperate or want to move from pain but you know there's more. Maybe you're called to serve. Maybe you know that there's more impact, that you, have, you know you have more to give the world, that at the end of your life when you're 100 years old, you wanna say, I squeezed the juice out of life, and you wanna learn more, be more, do more, impact more, make more. That's great. Be here, be disturbed within action. To, if you're not moving away from the pain, or not moving towards a bigger future when you're called to, then you should be disturbed. But I want to share why this industry is so important to me, and maybe you can relate to it a little bit. Listen, we all have our own journey. I talked about Tony's journey before, when he borrowed money, living out of his car to go see Jim Rohn. For me, I just remember being broke as a kid. My, my parents, who are amazing people, but they were married nine times between them. And my mom and dad didn't have the best relationship after they split when I was three. And my mom worked three jobs to make nothing. Like, I, I, from my earliest memories of wanting to be successful, and I remember mine was watching my mom come home at nine o'clock at night when I was in second grade with her hands hurting from cleaning houses and cutting hair, and she painted houses on the inside, on the side. She did everything she could to support me and my sister. She was selfless. I, I don't think I could get emotional because I think it took me till I was 50 years old to realize what an amazing woman she was and the sacrifices she made for me. But I remember being little, second, third grade, saying, I'm going to get rich. That's what I remember saying, so I can retire my mom. I'm rich back then, was probably thinking, I, I was hoping to make a thousand bucks a week to take care of my mother. And I did everything possible. I cut firewood at 16. I fixed wrecked cars. And I, I went after life hard. And I, I feel blessed. I started getting momentum. I, I ended up, by the time I was 20 years old, I already had bought a couple no money down real estate uh, houses. I was building houses. I had apartments. I had a collision shop by 24 years old. By 25, I had a, a tow truck company. I was, I was on my way and I was taking care of my mom. I retired my mom. By the time I was 27, I've sent my mom a check every single week since I was 27 years old. I buy my mom a new car every three years. I bought her her house uh, not that long ago. And, and that, that was my muse. That was my driver. But I have to tell you, from a lot of the dysfunction as a kid, I think I was doing it in kind of an ugly way, ugly on the inside. You guys ever have success in your life, but you know you're not doing it in a healthy way? And then at about 27 years old, I see Tony Robbins on an infomercial. And I felt like that man was speaking right into my heart. And 
I bought everything he had off of this infomercial. I had never really read a book. I've never been to a personal development course. I've never been to an event, but I just said the heck with it. This guy's speaking to me. Now, when I, when I bought that, I have to tell you, friends and family in my life were like, you spent what? Because I bought like every upsell possible. I bought all of it and everybody's like, you spent several hundred dollars on tapes? And I remember it was so long ago that I had a cassette player on my side with the orange Sony Walkman. Remember the little orange earbuds? If anybody, I'm dating myself, right? And I got that and I devoured every second of it. Like I listened to it, I was like, oh my God. It was all the stuff that I believed somewhere in my heart. You guys ever hear something from Tony, myself, or somebody else and you go, wow, I knew that. And you just, you feel like, wow, I'm not the only one, I'm not crazy. And it did two things for me, I have to tell you, it did two things. Number one, it released me from a lot of my childhood pain. It made me realize that life happened for me, that all those things I went through are my fuel, they're not my anchor. I changed my story, I had new beliefs. I mean, this guy empowered me, and truly my life changed. I went on to have more success than I could have ever imagined possible, and I, I, I contribute so much of that to Tony, and I'm so grateful for him. Now that he's my dearest friend and partner, is wonderful, but back then it was just the guy that I paid for his knowledge. But here's the second thing that did for me, and I really want you to hear this. I paid for knowledge. I cut Tony a check, he sent me information, and it shifted my life. I didn't get a car, I didn't get a watch, I didn't get a ring. I already, in that moment, I learned the value of knowledge 25 years ago. It was so exciting that I said, I gotta be in this industry, this is what I'm gonna do. So not only did I feel better, now you think, you think my family thought I was crazy before, now I'm taking every dollar I have. Back then you couldn't go online, you couldn't be at mastermind.com, you couldn't, didn't have a course. I had to go do an infomercial, which back then was hundreds of thousands of dollars. By the time you did an infomercial and got inventory and, all the, and got a phone company, it was a completely different world 25 years ago. So now I'm cashing in everything I got and using credit card money to do this. You talk about my family thinking I'm the most insane human being alive. People thinking they're protecting me but really telling me what a nut job I am. So I don't care, I'm on fire because of what Tony did and at the time I made money by selling cars. So I said, I'm gonna build a course. Think about this, I'm teaching people how to flip cars. I called it Motor Millions. Now, it sounds cheesy, it sounds silly right now, but I was on fire. And you know that, you know when you just feel something that I hope you feel today and you're like, I'm gonna do this, this is it, I'm all in, that's how I felt. But then maybe you guys, when that buzz wore off, when I borrowed money and I started filming and I started writing a course and my, my sister who's, I love my sister, she's an amazing woman, she's my big sister. She lived in Virginia. When she found out I was doing this, she drove all the way from Virginia to have a sit down with me, like an intervention, like I was on drugs. Literally sat down and said, Dean, I love you but enough is enough. Look at what you've done on your own and now you're gonna risk everything, you're gonna lose it. So I get that, and then I go to my friends, of course my friends give me positive, no, my friends are like, you're an idiot. They, they, didn't, they weren't elegant like my sister. So now I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe, I, I, and I don't know. So I remember being on the same road, and I'm gonna share this with you guys because maybe you can relate to it. I remember being on the same road where I spent most of my childhood was with my grandmother, and I was walking down her road. It's a true story, I know exactly where I was. And I started thinking to myself, who the hell am I? I'm not Tony Robbins. 
I don't have the money he has. I'm not six foot seven and, and have that amazing voice and that power. I don't have wealthy friends. I haven't transformed the lives of people. Who the hell is gonna buy a course on how to make money with cars? My sister says I'm a fool. My friends think I'm an idiot. I'm kind of, I'm doing okay. I mean, by then I had an apartment house. I, had, I was building houses. I had a tow truck company and I'm risking it all. And I remember being on it. I remember being a millimeter away from saying I should be happy. And I remember just walking down that street thinking all the reasons this was stupid. I'm not an expert. I barely got out of high school. I have dyslexia. I don't have the, I'm borrowing money to film this infomercial. I'm an absolute idiot. But in that moment, I had an epiphany. I said, there was two things. I remember thinking to myself, if I do what other people tell me to do, if I listen to my inner self-doubt, I'll regret it forever. I know I will. I'm called for more. What is the worst thing happen? I have to start over, right? That's the worst thing But the, the, if I go for it. But the worst thing if I don't is looking at my whole life knowing what could have been. But this is where my big epiphany came in. My epiphany was this. I was thinking through the lens that I had to be the guy that shared everything about cars. I never started a new car dealership. I didn't make $100 million in the car business. I didn't know how to create KPIs and SOPs and Excel spreadsheets. I didn't know about car financing at a high level. I, started, I was thinking I had to know everything. What I realized is I was really good at one thing. I knew how to flip a couple extra cars a month, buying and selling through the classified ads, to make someone an extra thousand, two thousand, three thousand $3,000 a month. And when I realized, that's all I'm sharing. I'm not sharing all that other stuff. If someone wants to do new car dealerships, they shouldn't learn from me. If someone wants to learn how to flip a car a month and make extra money, I'm the best person on the planet because it's how I started. It's how I made money. And between realizing I didn't want to give up on me, that I was called to serve on another level, I had more potential, and then realized I didn't need to be the smartest guy in the world in everything, I just had to be good at showing people how to shift, flip one car. And when that happened, my confidence went through the roof. And I launched my course, Motor Millions. That was my first course. Yes, it was before digital. I had to create them and put it in that course. It did okay. And it got momentum and it started doing better. Like when I did this course, Think a Little Different, it was about real estate. I had only done about 25 real estate deals in my whole life. And guess what I told everybody? I've only done about 25 real estate deals, but I started with no money and this is how I did it. I didn't say, I'm the expert who has $14 billion and 47 Lamborghinis. In fact, I didn't even have any testimonials because I hadn't taught anybody yet. So I just went to the houses that I bought and flipped and I was like, hey, this is my first testimonial. Me, hi, see this house behind me? I did this, 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 and this, and I flipped it. See this house behind me? I did this, 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 and this, and I rent it. And that course went on to be one of the best-selling real estate courses in America from a 30-something, 29 or 33 years, I was 30-something years old. I, I didn't make hundreds of millions of dollars, but I just got to be honest going after exactly who I wanted. If someone wanted to buy multi-unit apartment houses, I wasn't your guy. You wanted to learn how to flip your first house with no money down? That was me. And I feel so blessed that since then I've been going on, I've gone on to do so many incredible things. Be partners with Tony and, and spend time privately with Richard Branson and be interviewed by, you know, the top people on the planet and just do more than I ever thought possible. Be a multiple New York Times best-selling author. Have more success than I ever could imagine possible. And it's just a pretty cool journey um, to be here. And I owe it all to the self-education industry. So if you hear me talk about this industry with love and passion and, and trying to show you why you should be a part of it is because it saved my life.
I owe a debt of gratitude to it. Yes, I taught real estate, I taught cars, but now I get to teach people the main thing. I get to teach you how to unlock what you know, unlock your experience. This is my next 20 year run. Tony and I didn't need to do this. This is our passion project. Self-education saved our lives. And I know it can do the same for you and it doesn't mean you're desperate, it just means that if you're called to serve, called to do more, I don't know anything where you get to impact people, allow them to go faster, and change your life at the same time. A lot of times, people speak from kind of the top of the mountain and tell you how great it is up here, you should join me. And I'd like you to know that I've been in the ditches, I've been in the trenches, and I know what that feels like. So I wanna tell you, I speak from a place of, I know what it's like up on top to accomplish, to fulfill your, 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 your desires. I know what it's like to tap into your full potential, not, not feel like there's more. I mean, I always feel like there's more, but I know what that feels like, but I also know what it feels like to live in a bathroom and, and, and with my dad when I was a kid. As weird as that sounds, it was the only place we could plug in an electric heater where it would be warm in the wintertime, right? So I've been everywhere, but let me just first tell you this. Uh, in 1988, I lost my dad, my home, and my income. No, my dad did not die. He's still alive. He's 83 and looks like he's 60. Uh, and he's in a great place. He's engaged. He's doing awesome. But in 1988, I was two years out of high school, and I was working with my dad, and he went through a really horrible divorce and other situations in his life that really affected him in a bad way. And uh, his childhood come back and haunted him and all that kind of stuff. And he kind of checked out. I lost him. He, he disappeared and we had a collision shop in Marlboro, New York, and he just said, let it go, let the house go, I don't care. So two years out of high school, I was 19 years old, and I just remember feeling so despair, like so much despair, like I had nothing, I had no college education, I barely got out of high school, I was gonna work with my dad in this collision shop, and that was gone. So he leaves, when he took off, I had the collision shop, and I moved everything out of it, because we, we couldn't pay for it anymore. This big building and all my friends helped with trucks and stuff, we moved all the stuff. And then I moved out of, him out of his, the house that he was in, that I lived in with him. I moved all his stuff out of that and I rented the house, right? So I moved all the stuff that was in that collision shop to that actual garage and I worked out of that garage for probably a year trying to get back on my feet. I had a wood stove in there, I had my tools in there, I had the ability to paint cars in there. I mean, it stunk, gave me headaches and everything, but I worked my way back. And you know, one thing at a time, I, I got a car done, I got more cars done. I went to the, one, the, the, the family that owned the collision shop that my dad, we, we kind of had to leave, and I, I, I said with my hard work and dedication and, and decisiveness and convincing and, and persuasion, I got them to give me the collision shop back. So I moved the stuff out of there, I went back, got the collision shop going, got auto sales, got Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and I started cranking. I started buying real estate, I started doing no money down deals, and real estate really transformed my life. But then again, in 2005, I discovered my weaknesses on my way up climbing. You know, I, I hadn't run big businesses, and my business was getting bigger and bigger and hiring people, and I made some massive mistakes. I trusted some people, I hired the wrong accountant, and I lost everything again. In 2005, I had no money, I was in despair, I know what that feeling was, those sleepless nights, two o'clock in the morning, stressed, where am I gonna go in my life, what am I gonna do? And not only did I rebound, I found a journey, I found a path, I found the strategies and the secrets and the habits that not only can keep you on track to break through those barriers, to, to finally go to that level of success you desire, you deserve, and mostly reach your full potential. I've discovered them along the way. People have such a crazy relationship with money. You don't even realize it. I mean, 
think about it. Money is one of those things we're taught we shouldn't desire it. We shouldn't want it. We should have this weird feeling about it. Maybe we make too much of it. Well, simultaneously, it's the number one thing that causes crap in our lives. It's crazy. It's like being at a therapist. It's like therapist is a mental, you and money on the other side. It's like, I don't want you. I don't need you. You're bad. But I, to have a better life, I want more of it, right? It's like, okay, well, how do we get all this? So I want to spend the time right now and go over money and how it can be a foundation for getting more of it the right way. So your heart is filled. So you feel amazing about making more of it. So let's just start with this. When people say money doesn't buy happiness or money's evil, let's just think about this. According to CNBC, finances are the leading cause of stress. I mean, these I want to open this up because I want to see your chats coming in. It just went. Um, it's the leading cause of stress in a relationship. Imagine that. Arguing about money is the top predictor of divorce, says Sonia Britt. The top predictor of divorce. How sad is that? 76% of Americans admit money is the significant source of stress in their lives. 76%. Okay, so we're all walking around saying it's not money, it's not money. But can money improve the quality of all areas of your life? Absolutely, but before you answer that question, let's go over some common money myths. And I think, again, if you're here today with me right now, taking the time, doing, not doing something else that could be more important, potentially more fun, I'm, it's my job to give you the foundation for success before we give you how to actually go do it because you could give somebody, and think about what I'm going to say, you could give somebody a business on how to sell $20 bills for $10 and push them out in the world and somehow they fail. You know it and you know people that would. They get inside their mind. Is it really right to sell $20 bills for $10? And should I stand on a corner or should I do it online? Or should, maybe I should do a Facebook ad or maybe I should get a course on how to do it or should I do, my, should I do it like multi-level marketing? Or, you know, maybe I should do it at my office, but maybe my boss will get mad. You know, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just start Monday. And a year goes by and nobody does anything. So it's my job today to, first off, strip the barriers, like the myths about money, and then start building this foundation. So when you stack on what you can do, and then you learn how to take action, then you look back and go, wow, that guy Dean was on to something. I've always wanted to do something more. I've always wanted a new side income or new money or be in control of my life or put more away for retirement, but I never actually moved. This is the process to get you to move and to get you where you desire. Let's cover the common myths. Myth number one. The first belief is that money is scarce. And that money, I mean, we've all heard money doesn't grow on trees. But we've, we've lived with the constant fear that money could run out. Now, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my slides because I want to make sure I, I wrote all these out. I want to make sure I hit it. But think about that. We have this this gut feeling of like, if we have savings, is it going to go away? If we have a job, is it going to go away? Is money going to run out? And the fact of the matter is that money doesn't actually vanish. There's always been the same amount of money, right? Or they print more, right? There's actually printing more money. It's not vanishing. It's not going off into thin air. It doesn't get burned. It doesn't get uh, ground up right? That's not the point. What happens is money never goes anywhere. Money isn't scarce. What happens is money simply flows from one group to another. Does that make sense? Money is simply just flowing from one group to another. So why not, instead of uh, protecting or obsessing on protecting from losing all of your money, the question should be, how do you become part of the group 
that money is being transferred to. Think about that. That's what your desire is. It's not going away. I mean, think about, in, in all my years, I'm going I'm to digress here for a second. In all my years of, um, of being in business, in all my years of making money, in all my years of running a company successfully, in some years I didn't run it the best, and then I realized I wasn't best at running companies, I was great at starting companies, I brought the right people in, and all those things. When I look at my companies, whenever I wanted to go to another level, I would analyze and go, where can we cut? Where can we make savings smart? Now, I'm not saying at all that you shouldn't be frugal and you shouldn't be smart with your money. People smart with their money who spend less than they make always will live a more fulfilled, older age. I totally get that. But what happens is we get so used to protecting and saving that we don't spend enough money on thriving and making. In my experience through all the years is when I wanted to bring more money in my company, I'd spend weeks with the CFO and, and controllers and look and say, where could we cut? And we could cut this much. Or I could open up an abundant mind and I could say, what new campaign can we create to help people? What, new, what houses can we flip in my real estate business? What more can we do to bring it in? And always, always producing more income always outweighed trying to make cuts. Now that's an extreme, but it's the same thing. If, you're in the, if you had parents that went through the Great Depression or grandparents who went through the Great Depression or parents who, who worked nine to five and worked their butts off just to get by and still don't have enough for retirement, you could have, been in, you could have inherited this thought of save, 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 don't step out, don't step out, and all of a sudden you get older and you go, why did I waste all this time thinking money was scarce when I could go get it? So here's a second myth, is that somehow we believe that money doesn't solve problems. We're kind of, it's, it's kind of uh, bred into us that, you know, I mean, they, they quote, people quote the Bible as saying money is the root of all evil. I think it's the love of money is the root of all evil. But is money really evil when you have the opportunity? I mean, people do evil things with money. Right now, I would ask, what problems would go away for you right now if you could cut a check for them. What problems would you cut a check for right now? Think about it. Is there some old medical bills? Is there old college debt? Uh, pay your parents' house off? Pay, uh, you know, set some money away for college for your kids? Would you re tell your wife or your husband to stop working in that job that's taking away who they are as a person? Would you make sure your kids knew that they can't, they're not going to be spoiled, but when they're older, they'll have some money to borrow against for their first house or borrow against to start their own company so they're not enslaved by a job. Would you quit a job that's killing you? Would you be a, a more full-time mom, a more full-time dad, more, more full-time grandparent? Let me ask some. Are all of those kind of problems? And could a check solve those problems? Absolutely. So we gotta, we got to reframe the way we think about money. Money is an abundant, amazing thing that can solve problems. And when you start thinking that way, then all of a sudden there's no excuses. They're not like, well, if I made more money, I might be a jerk. If I made more money, uh, people look at me. If I made more money, maybe I'm greedy. No. Money solves problems. You want to make more of it. I want to give you a little story here. I took my family to Cabo for a family reunion. It's really great to have everybody together. This is a little while back. Um, 
my mom and my stepdad and my sister and my nephews and my family and my kids and in-laws. And it was, it was pretty spectacular. I rented this, and I feel blessed, I'm not bragging, but I rented this amazing, huge house right on the water. Waves crashing in the backyard, had, had someone who took care of the house, a cook. They were literally catching tuna out in the, and coming to the dock and bring the tuna in the kitchen, fillet it, and made ceviche and, and tuna uh, sushi and sashimi. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But while we're there, and this is a story that's going to, this will make sense in a second. I'm not just bragging. Um, but while we're there, my stepdad, who I've known since I was 10 years old, nine years old, my stepdad got really pale and all of a sudden passes out. We don't know what's going on. I mean, he's white, white, transparent white. We call the ambulance. We're in Mexico. It's a little scary. Ambulance comes. I mean, you know, it's crazy. The ambulance comes. And then someone stops the ambulance and said, you should get in our ambulance. And, you know, we think our, my Stepdad's dying, my mom's freaked out. Long story short, we get to the doctors. Luckily, I had a friend who lived down there who was a doctor, so definitely go to this hospital. We get to the hospital, he needs emergency surgery. Doctor walks me outside. Remember to this day, exact, like literally, I'm in a hospital, can I talk to you? We walk out of the front doors, they open up, we go outside, it's a little tiny hospital. And uh, he said, uh, your dad's colon burst, his large intestines are ruptured, he's bleeding, he's, he's actually below the amount of blood that he should be alive right now. Um, and uh, we need to do emergency surgery right now, there's no question, but in order to do that, we need $30,000. Now, I'm not, I don't think they would have let him die, but they don't take Medicare, they didn't take insurance, they took cash or credit card, nothing else. I was able to pull out my black card and I handed it to him, I said, put it on here and go save my stepdad. I went in, I gave him a hug, I told him I loved him, he shared some thoughts, take care of your mom if I don't make it, did the surgery, he made it, he's still, he's still doing good, um, that's it. But that gave this cut a check for a problem, the problem goes away. It gave it a whole new meaning. I'm not saying they would have died, let him die, but literally they said, we can't start until we have cash. That was cutting a check for a problem. So stop feeling bad about wanting to cut checks for some problems. Myth number three, somehow we believe and I've had way too many conversations with people, and this might not be you, but I want to throw this in there because I've talked to too many people. I've been blessed to talk to thousands of my students around the world. I've read tens of thousands of your comments. So I get it. And so many people have this inner, inner feeling that if you're making money, you're somehow taking it from someone else. Do you feel that ever? And it's a little bit like if I get ahead, and, and again, I'm not saying the majority of you do, but a lot of people do. If you know how to make money, if you desire to make money, you're ethically obligated to go make more and then give it all away if you want. Think about this in your life. If you started making more money, right? Would you be taking it away or would you be giving it back? Let me ask you, would you maybe have someone clean your house so you could go do what you do that makes you more money or fulfills your heart and soul, spend time with your kids? Would you maybe get your dry cleaning done more? Get someone to mow your lawn? Would you get a personal trainer? Would you get a nutritionist, maybe a naturopath? Would you attend more events? Would you buy more information? What would you do? Would you buy a new car, buy a new house? Every one of those things is you're helping the world flourish. You're making more and you're spending it. You're helping not only the economy in your home, you're helping the economy in the world. You're helping the economy in your neighborhood. You're gonna employ people who right now maybe can't afford to feed their family. So when you, you got to flip that completely on the opposite side. When you, when you make more money, you help the world flourish. How about thinking about it that way? Next myth. 
And this is the biggest one of them all. Money doesn't make you a best version of yourself. I think there's some instances that that could be true. I always said that money, uh, money and alcohol <laughs> make you an extreme version of who you are on the inside. Do you ever see somebody who's kind of a jerk and then they get some drinks in them like that guy's a real jerk. Or you see somebody who's got a little bit of money and they're kind of off and they get money and they're, they're really off. But I like to see the good in the world. I see the complete opposite. When people have money, they might go through a little phase, but then they become a better version of themselves. And I want to explain why. You want another level of success. What does that mean when you really think about it? When you really think about success, what does that mean to you? I know getting money out of the way would be great, financial freedom would be great, but what does it really mean to you? Who would you become if you had money? You know, my family, when I was a kid, money was the thing that we worried about the most. I told you I lived in a bathroom with my dad uh, because it was the only place we could plug in an electric heater and stay warm for the winter. I lived in a trailer park with my mom. Uh, you know, I'm not complaining. That's the journey I was on, and I, I wouldn't take it, any of it back. But my parents, my mom worked two jobs to make about 90 bucks a week. I lived, I was a latchkey kid, me and my sister at a really young age, or I went to grandma's house. I didn't get to see my mom much when I was a kid because she was always at work. I don't say that, poor, again, it's not poor me. I, my parents could barely come to baseball games and, and, or anything that I was a part of. They were busy. They were trying to make things work. They did the best they possibly could. But do you think they were the best version of themselves? If, if my parents made more money, could they have maybe stayed together? Could they maybe have... Um, gotten in better shape? Could they have coached? Could they have done a lot of things? Of course they would have wanted to do all of those, but money dictated their lives. But let me just share this with you. For me, I wrote down some things where I think I'd become a better person because I'm not choked by lack of money. Do, do, I, work, do I think about it? Of course. Do I work hard for my money? Absolutely. And if you're sitting there right now going, oh, Dean, you're rich now. It's easy. Listen, there's a journey, but wherever you are, I've been. I wrote down coaching. Because I don't worry about money, because it's out of the way, it's not something I obsess on, it's like oxygen in the room. When's the last time you thought about breathing? Have you thought about how abundant the air is in the room that you are right now? Have you said, wow, this is so great to have all this oxygen just here, it's free, there's so much of it. No, you haven't thought about that. But if I gave you a cocktail straw and said breathe through that, all you would think about is the oxygen in the room and getting it into your lungs. When money is the thing you think about without realizing it more and more, you don't have time for the other things. So when money stopped being a worry, when money stopped being thing that I thought was going to run out or wouldn't have enough, then guess what? I was just left with me. And I didn't like some of the things I saw. I'm just going to be completely honest. I didn't like some of the things I saw because I was running so hard for so long for money, business, success, money, business, success, money, bit. Whoa, business is doing good. Wow, books, New York Times bestsellers are selling. Oh, hundreds of real estate deals, they're moving. Companies doing good. Money and success were there. All of a sudden, I was left with me. And I got to work on me. I got to attend masterminds. We're, we're kindred spirits. If you've bought any of my courses or spent money, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my own self-education. Buying courses, buying tapes. I listen to an audio course or, or an audio book every single week. I, I, I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for masterminds to learn and absorb and do self-education. I'm growing as a person. I'm so far from perfect. 
but I want to be the best human on the planet. I want to be the best motivator. I want to be the best. I want to inspire you. I want to deliver you real wisdom. I want to be the best dad in the world. Just my desire. If money was the pro, was the, took up my thoughts, I couldn't do that. So coaching. Not only have I paid for coaches, paid for consulting, I get to coach Little League. My son's, not, it's T-Rex League, kind of like right before Little League. Um, but I coach. So not only do I go to all the games, I do everything in my power not to miss a practice. I haven't missed one practice yet this year. Um, he's also on flag football. I missed one half of practice, and I got there halfway through, and my son's like, Dad, what's up? <laughs> like, like, no other dad's there for every single practice. I'm not, and I'm not the head coach, guys. Just the head coaches are smarter, more brilliant. That's their job. I get to show up. They bring the bags. They bring the stuff. I get to show up, throw the football, throw the baseball, do some grounders, do some flag plays. Like, that's, I get to do the cool part. But I'm there. I'm there for every game. My daughter, softball. I'm there for every softball game. I go to every single one of her practices. I take her to, she's got a pitching coach. She's doing amazing at pitching. I go to pitching coach. I couldn't do that. I don't know what success means to you, but that's what it means to me at this phase of my life. I feel like the most successful man alive when I show up at, at practice and I'm the only dad there. And I'm, the other dads are just as good as me. They love their kids just as much as I do. I don't love my kids anymore, but I wasn't afraid to know what money can do and go after it. I guarantee you're as smart as me. If we took an IQ test or a spelling test, most everybody right now would beat me. My kids really gave me a purpose in life that I didn't know exist. If you're a parent, may, maybe you get that. I, I, or of course you get it. But, but I, I kind of was just, I, I was, I've been in fast gear since I was 17, running away from the pain of my childhood, running away from being broke. Just, I was just running away from pain, running towards something new, success. I'd fail fast, go, fail fast, go, fail fast, go, fail fast, go. But I didn't really know why I was doing it all. I was just running away from something painful. I didn't know what I was running towards. And I had kids and it made me step back and really think about it. And then when money really wasn't an issue, something I thought about every day, I started thinking about life. Like, what am I here for? What am I doing? What kind of parent do I want to be? When I, and maybe it's because I'm halfway through my life. I'm saying half. At 50, I'm going, I'm going to 100 minimum. So halfway through my life, maybe that's the age. doesn't matter what age you are right now. Twice, you know, 70, 90, 20, 40, doesn't matter. But start thinking about why are we here? I don't want to get in a big philosophical uh, discussion here, but we're here for a reason. We're not here for the nine to five grind and just go to bed every day and go, oh, I made it through another day. Oh, I made it through another day. And then in the morning go, oh, can I make it through today? Man, there's more for us than that. As always, our podcast is free. We don't even sell advertising space. So how you could pay us back is by helping other people get this information in their hands. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, go ahead and take a second and rate and review the show and tell a friend, heck, take a snapshot and put it on your Instagram. It's the best way for you to help other action takers get the knowledge they need to live into their full potential. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe now to get access to new episodes three times a week. And as always, you can go to the description for this podcast and check out the special links I shared with you to take your success, freedom, and abundance to a whole nother level.